Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas podcast, taping this on a Monday night, where I'm joined, as always, my good friend over there in LA. He's decompressing. He's got a little smoke going in the background. This is why you have to watch on YouTube.com/slash Chase Thomas podcast because you have the ambiance of Evan Swords of 49ers Hub with his blue light glasses his beanie and whatever he's got going on in the background there which is just it's uh it's eucalyptus chase (laughs) it's uh it's a eucalyptus diffuser i've got many many uh many different smells uh Uh, but as we said before we started recording uh my uh sleep is trash constantly i don't know about anybody else but i'm highly adhd and i sleep terribly so these blue light glasses, by the way, shout out to Zinni Optical who sent them to me and George Kittle and uh, his little uh, uh, setup that they have. Um, I'm wearing the blue light glasses, trying to trying to help out the circadian rhythm, but less about me, more about our very smart guest. Hi, what's one of our on? favorite guests. He was on, I guess, a month ago now, but he's one of the it, like we like Vo Ash. Like a lot of the other guys, we like to spotlight Evan where we're old and washed. It's good to get the young and smart and uh, <laughs> ready to go to like balance out our just old dumbness. So we bring in Tejset of just, I'm going to say this wrong again because it never is like what it says. Is it Sumer Sports or Summer Sports, Tej? Sumer, sumer Sports. Yeah, a lot of people said Summer my brother thought it was summer sports for months when I started working Okay, I feel better because I said I, it last uh, time. I, I and, said the yeah. name out loud, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, Chase, a real, an easy indi- indicator for you to help you moving forward. Uh, mm. Summer has two M's in it, surprisingly. I don't know if you knew this. Well, I knew that. Two M's. Uh-huh. So there's two. Uh, mm-hmm. this, this only has one. That's fair. See, this is why we're, we need two minds are better than one when it comes to Evan and myself on this very program. Um... <laughs> Tesh, we have a lot of stuff where you're a Lions fan, obviously a, a Michigan guy, and we're, we did 49ers last week on the pod, which was great. So go check that out uh, on the feed if you missed that with Evan and I going through all things 49ers last week. This week, Lions season review series. But we do have a couple uh, NFL items that I wanted to hit real quick before we get into uh, our season review for the Lions. Tesh, I want to start with you here. Derek Carr to the Saints. That broke right uh, this afternoon. Uh, just kind of a surprise here because he was meeting with a multitude of teams. Saints made, I guess, some sense for a while. Um, I guess best case scenario, like, hey, could it be <laughs> Drew Brees all over again? A West Coast quarterback, second rounder. Uh, he makes his home in New Orleans, undervalued for a long time. Maybe this all pops. I don't know if I'm, I'm there that this is going to be a long-term solution for the saints where are you at with the fit of Derek carr and what you saw from the saints team last year and are they still just kind of fighting the inevitable of like you're gonna have to do a rebuild you can't keep getting away with this cap stuff and you're just put kicking the can down the road and i just i don't see it any well which way do you st- uh, stand right now on the card of the saints deal mm-hmm. yeah no i'm with you and you know, when I was in uh, Indianapolis this, this past week at the at the combine, Derek Carr was sitting a booth over for me and my friends at a restaurant. So I was trying to eavesdrop a little, you know, see where he was going to go, but I wasn't able to hear anything. But no, I think I think a lot of the points that you laid out are right. Right? Like I can see why, from the Saints' perspective, they want to make this move. Every team in the NFC South, which is, I think is going to be the worst division 
in football this year hmm. is going to have a new starting quarterback than they previously had the year before. So it's probably not going to take much to win this division. So I can see why the Saints want to go out and get a quarterback that has consistently ranked between 12th and 16th in expected points added per play throughout his career because that gives you some stability of your your offense and that, that raises your floor. It, I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback at raising the floor of your offense and with the pieces that they have there where they can take advantage of this weak division. But I think the thing that you mentioned where it doesn't give them a long-term solution at quarterback and I, I, that's like the biggest thing for me is it's, it's kind of uninspiring because of that. You would want to see the Saints eventually pack it in and understand that they have a roster that's older and, and getting really expensive and try to get some younger players in there. And that starts with the quarterback and, and try to make a move from that perspective. But going out and, and committing to Derek Carr for at least two seasons doesn't exactly do that. So while I think it increases their chance of winning the division this year and, and potentially hosting a home playoff game. I don't know if it necessarily increases their Super Bowl chances for the next couple of years. Evan, do you share that sentiment or are you all in on the Saints are back? The Saints no. are good again. No. It's a sad, it's like, it's the most like, it's it, it, the fact that it's an NFL headline just shows that we're a little slow in the offseason <laughs> right now. Like, Listen, Derek Carr might be the most talented quarterback to ever. Well, he couldn't even be that. Like, he's such a middle, like, he looks good statistically. I mean, he had some really good seasons in the beginning. But, like, I've never once been afraid of Derek Carr. I I don't think that, I don't think this is, is not a Drew Brees situation. I'll tell you that much. I, I feel like the Saints are really struggling. They showed that last year. You know, their cap space makes no sense whatsoever. They gave them $100 million in guaranteed money, but it's kind of like a, almost like a, it seems like it was like a Colin Kaepernick-style contract where there's like year by year. I don't know. I I feel like the, the Saints were a very middling, struggling team, and they just added a middling, struggling quarterback. Like, you got to think that the the Raiders roster last year was better than this mm. Saints roster and the the Raiders were terrible last year. <laughs> now there's some other things going on there obviously with coaching and what have you but like I'm not taking Alvin Kamara over Josh Jacobs. One, how dare you? Two, just, there. What do you mean? First off, the Saints are like the the Falcons' biggest no, rival. Hold on. Alvin Kamara is on the billboard outside of Neyland Stadium, my good friend. It Ugh. is Alvin Kamara is a VFL for legend. I pass him every single day here in Knoxville, Tennessee. So I make an excuse for my guy, and he's also from Georgia and my home county. So Alvin Kamara and I go way back. I'm I'm look I all things against the Saints on this very program, but the one caveat is Alvin Kamara. We stand on this podcast listen all i'm saying is is right right now as it stands Taysom hill before this signing was in the top 10 for highest cap hits on the same <sighs> roster okay like there there are some serious issues that they have to figure out with this team they're going to be doing some very i mean you're looking at it what's happening with the rams right now right they're going to have to be making moves to get under the cap to figure this stuff out to have enough money for I don't know, maybe free agents, which they desperately need, and signing their draft picks. Uh, they have a first-round pick now um, from the 49ers via the Denver Broncos. You know, like, so they have, they still have to, like, figure a lot of stuff out this offseason. And I just, 
like no matter what they do, no matter what puzzle pieces or chess pieces they move on the board, they're going to still have Derek Carr as your quarterback. I don't know, like, I they might be looking in. I mean, I, I'm you tell me to. I'm losing my mind here right now. But are they going to be looking for the number one pick in the draft next season? Are they going to be that bad? Hmm. Because there's some really good quarterbacks that are going to be coming into this draft next year. And hey, if the if the Saints ended up signing Derek Carr to ensure they get there, that might be one of the most genius moves in NFL history. <laughs> I don't I don't think that the Saints are going to be that bad. And like I talked about earlier, like the division is so weak, you're yeah. going to stumble into some wins just kind of out of default. But I'm with you where like I was kind of surprised they wanted to make this push for Derek Carr because of like how good of prospects Drake uh, Drake May and Caleb Williams are right now. Like you could see the Saints kind of wanting to turn that next chapter being really bad this year, whether they roll out some backup quarterback or like put Taysom Hill there or something and, and like waiting for that like really good rookie contract quarterback that they could really use to rebuild their roster. But Kai Harley, the, the Saints uh, head of cap, does a really good job with – setting up all these contracts to be restructurable. So when, when he makes these contracts, he makes sure that in years two and three and four of these contracts, he can keep just pushing money back because Mickey Loomis, the Saints GM, loves to do that. He loves to fit all these older expensive players on his roster. So Kai Harley has to set up these contracts in a way to make sure that they do that. But like the bill always comes due, right? It's it's why you can't re-sign certain players to your team and have to let them walk in free agency. Like even if Michael Thomas was still good and the Saints wanted to re-sign him, they wouldn't be able to this year because like they're they're out of money and and especially with this Derek Carr deal. So it's just different stuff like that. I think that's going to make it really difficult for the Saints to to keep continuing to do this for the next couple of years. Do you think that Kai Hartley wakes up every single night at like three in the morning screaming? <laughs> Like obviously for the for those watching this on YouTube, like this, the Wendy's worker sitting outside, tired, exhausted, Popeye, leaning sir. over, uh, Pop, excuse me, Popeyes, mm-hmm. just leaning over, just going through it. Like, do you think that's just him every every night? Just wakes mm-hmm. up like with nightmares of like Taysom Hill making twelve million dollars. Like he's <laughs> hardest working guy in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, transitioning a little bit from this. So the Bears still haven't traded the number one overall pick. And Ted, you're going to be kind of biased here because the Bears are obviously a division rival for you. But with the precedent of only 12 number uh, twelve times before um, since 1967 when the AFL-NFL mergers happened, the number one pick has been traded only 12 times before the start of the draft. Last time it happened, it involved your starting quarterback. Um, when the Rams moved from 15 to 1, two weeks before the draft to take Jared Goff. Uh, obviously, my team, the Atlanta Falcons, did it, uh, man, over 20 years ago, which is insane that it's been that long uh, since the Michael Vick era started with Dan Reeves and company. But um, what would you do? Would you would you trade the pick? Does the Jalen Carter arrest stuff complicate sitting at one? Because it does certainly seem like Jalen is the unanimous, like, can't miss best player in the draft you just take him one and figure it out later i don't know what would you what would you do if you're the gm of the chicago bears right now mm-hmm. yeah no i think it's a, a great question i mean if i were to do anything as ryan pulls the chicago bears gm it would have been to trade justin fields and take bryce young at number one hmm. but if 
you're going to go with just like we're sticking with Justin Fields no matter what. It's nothing against Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is an electric player as and his, his rushing ability especially. But if you're sticking with Justin Fields for sure, I would trade that number one pick. There's been a lot of research done, even dating back to 2005 by Cade Massey at the Warden School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania called the loser's curse and how the value that you get from the number one pick, the player that you usually get if you're not taking a quarterback, they often don't give as much surplus value. They they don't overperform their contract that's given to you for having the number one pick versus if you had the number 10 pick where you take a player there, they play not as well as the number one pick, but they usually give a decent amount of value, but they're being paid so much less in salary. And so that's where I think this comes into play here for the Bears is if you're not taking a quarterback, which they're not going to because they're sticking with Justin Fields, I would try to trade back with them not having to give that number one overall pick contract to a player, a defensive player like like they're going to have to. And I would try to accumulate more draft picks where you can take more darts and throw them at the dartboard over and over and try to really rebuild this defense because the Bears roster right now is pretty barren and they could use a lot of these good players that aren't necessarily elite prospects to build up their defense to make sure that it's not giving up as many points per game as they were last year. Evan, what would you do? I mean, there's really no way I could vocalize it any better than Tez just did right there, but I, I just can't stress this enough. Anthony Richardson is quickly becoming the most exciting quarterback to me in this draft. Uh, CJ Stroud, not, but like, once again, I don't think he's going to be the best. I just said exciting, mm-hmm. right? He's not going to be going number one overall. Like he's not going to be, I don't like, know if that's true anymore. Well, he maybe well, we'll see. Number one. But yeah. CJ Stroud and you know, like, I'm sorry, no, no offense to our short Kings out here, but <laughs> I want nothing to do with a five ten quarterback. Mm. I want nothing to do with it. I no way, shape or form. Like, Kyler Murray is a great example of the best case scenario you're going to get with them. You need them to be aggressively athletic and just zipping all over the field like Sonic the Hedgehog. I, I don't, I, I just, it's, listen, I, I, I don't want anything to do with that. So if you have Justin Fields, who's already a very electric athletic quarterback, I think you're just, every year goes by, hopefully he's becoming a better passer. He's got the right people in his camp. He's training correctly. He's, you know, they're, they're doing things to increase his chances of becoming a better passer because that's the only thing that we're waiting for with Justin Fields. So you trade back, you know, you could honestly, yeah, you could go defense. I think they desperately need defense. I want Justin Fields to have one of the best receivers in this draft. Hmm. I think I think there's good receivers here. I think there's you look at four quarterbacks potentially going in the top ten. That means talents getting pushed back if they're not a quarterback. Uh, defensive tackles, defensive linemen, those those are you know going to be t- kind of heavy at the top. Even I don't think Jalen Carter's really getting pushed back, even though the man was you know involved in things that got two people killed. Let's let's not forget that. But I you know if I'm if I'm the Bears. He needs a DeAndre Hopkins. He needs an Odell Beckham Jr. And you're in a perfect position to do that if you trade down. There are plenty of dumb teams this year that are going to be willing to trade up for a quarterback class that no one was really that excited about until now because every year, come March, whether it's the media, whether it's just, you know, you're getting closer to the draft, we start convincing ourselves that these are really good quarterbacks. Last year we did the same thing. We, you know, Zach Wilson in his arm from BYU was going to be, you know, incredible. 
with the Jets and Kyle Shanahan's pseudo, you know, secondhand offense, right? Trey Lance was, oh my God, look at what situation Trey Lance is going to go into with Kyle Shanahan, all those weapons. My God, right? Like we keep convincing ourselves that these quarterback classes are going to be fantastic. And just like you said, and just like I said on the podcast, only usually one or two of them ever pan out in the first place. And it's more so one. And sometimes it's none of them. So I don't think this is really going to be a quarterback cost. You want to stay put. Uh, so trade back, convince these people to do it, get whatever you can for it and just keep stacking up talent around Justin Fields. Cause I, are you, how, like, can you really look at me right now and tell me that like CJ Stroud is significantly better than Justin Fields? I mean, it would be weird because, like, they're clearly friends. So I think if they took CJ Stroud, who learned under Justin which, Fields, I think that would be such a bad culture move. Like, which just, also shout out to him for literally yeah. saying that is ju- that is Justin Fields' team, right? Like, a, I don't want to talk oof, about it. That'd be but some chaos. I just, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I just think it's we do this every year with the draft, and I, I, the Bears could not be luckier. They like yeah. literally could not be luckier. Like to have the number one overall pick and not need a quarterback in a quarterback heavy draft, you're sitting on gold. I also think they're in the market. I think you spoke to something which, Tej, I think it's important that the Bears register with, like, look at what happened with Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts. And obviously, Philadelphia has maybe the best uh, roster top to bottom, and Howie Roseman's done a great job there. But he also traded for AJ Brown early. Like, he was mm. like, hey, if we're really going to see what we have with Jalen Hurts, we're going to have to give him as much help as possible. Yeah, we can draft Devontae Smith and company, but like we need to draft or we need to make a big splash to help this guy out and get him to that final level. Like Patrick Mahomes still had Terry Kill early on. Like he still has Travis Kelsey now. Just because you're an elite mm-hmm. quarterback does not mean you don't need elite weapons or it's not a good idea to do that. Velas Jones, who I love, but like you look at the roster around Justin Fields to this point, he has had nothing. I don't think you can go into year three with Justin Fields and just rely on drafting because it's like Alan Lazard and company who I want in Atlanta a lot, but this is not a deep free agent group for wideouts. I think the thing for them, if I'm Chicago is I take BPA at one, I stay and then I trade some draft capital for a big receiver, whether it's D hop, like Evan suggested, I think you do that. I think you just keep going BPA, whether it's on the offensive or defensive line, do that a bunch, build out the trenches but I do think they have to make a big win now move with well, one of these wideouts because Justin Fields cannot go into year three with the same group or something close <laughs> because you're just you're asking the dude to fail like he needs a D hop or something to uh, we, to balance us out. We don't have to go too far to ask someone's opinion that's experienced this right. Like the Detroit Lions literally just took Aiden Hutchinson mm-hmm. right. So. In a in an NFL where you see what Jamar Chase has been able to do, right? You see what Chris Olave is doing, Wilson, and you, and the, with the Jets, you know you have an Aiden Hutchinson. You went defense. Would you recommend the Bears do something like that, or do you think go out and get your quarterback a weapon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I think Chase, you brought up a good point with like best player available. Like it does, it is pretty prospect dependent, and like where the board kind of falls depending on if they trade back or not, but I'm with the both of you where it's like, I think year three of Justin Fields should be all about finding out if he can be your franchise quarterback. And I think the Chicago bears would happily pay whatever price it is. If Justin Fields does really, really well this season to make sure he's their franchise guy for a long time, 
but you need to do certain things to get there. You're entering this offseason with the most cap space in, in the entire league, and you have this, these resources in the draft that you can use to build up the supporting cast. So I would like to see the Bears it put a priority on building up their offensive line, especially through free agency. I think there's a lot of good prospects to do that. And then if they do trade back, I think the popular thing on Bears Twitter right now is drafting Jackson Smith the Jigba somewhere in the first round, wherever they, they end up with, and reuniting him with Justin Fields. And I think JSN is a great prospect, was a great player in college, and has a good good connection with Fields already. So doing those things to where you can like do, like you guys mentioned, like maybe trade for DeAndre Hopkins, draft JSN, build up your offensive line through free agency. Doing all those things can really help you learn whether Justin Fields was being held back by his supporting cast last year or whether some of the problems like his ability to, or his, his very high like pressure to sack ratio was a factor of his own play style where I think, I think the Bears can learn a lot from, um, from building that up. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. I think it's going to be fascinating. We don't get many situations like this at the, at the top of the draft mm-hmm. um, each year. So I'm very, very fascinated to see what the Bears ultimately do. And I think Bears fans are going to be mad either way, is my guess, because I, I don't know if they're going to be able to do something that appeases everybody. Last thing before we get into the Lions. Uh, should the Dolphins pick up Tua's fifth-year option, Evan? Would you do no. it? No. No. <laughs> Why would you? Especially after – listen, hey – what Tua had to deal with last year with concussions is very serious. It is, it is something I, I really hope that his health is at the forefront of everything he does moving forward. I wish nothing but, you know, just pure, clean bill of health for the rest of his NFL career. But if you're asking what a team should do, no, nah, I thought Tua was a, was a bad pick from the beginning. I think everything he's done since then shows that it's you, the best you can hope for is that you have a really good offensive scheme and that. It kind of carries him. I mean, he listen, they have the maybe the best receiver combo in the NFL right now with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And, like, honestly, I don't even know why I hesitated. They have the best receiver, receiver combo in the NFL right now. The last thing I want to do is keep forcing that Tua situation if I don't need to. Do you do you share that sentiment, Tej? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Tua as a player – Internally, the Dolphins could talk themselves into wanting to pick up that fifth-year option, but I do think that the health issues are prevalent there. I, I know, like, it's tough to go back into like quarterback purgatory where you're searching for a quarterback and you have the, these great receivers that you're just hoping you can have someone there that can get them the ball. But it, I mean, it 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 doesn't look like you know Tua can play a play a full season right now. I think the health issues are, are very worrisome. He should definitely. Uh, be careful when when he steps back onto the field uh, this year. So I I don't think that they're they're probably going to pick it up because of that. Yeah, I don't I don't either, and it sucks. But it's just usually when guys are injury prone at the early part and things are just not looking great on that front, they don't get better with quarterbacks at like age mm-hmm. 26, 20. It's not like he just has a clean bill of health for the next ten years. Like and then he's just stable and yeah. good to go. Like it just it's unfortunate. He's an easy guy to root for. But the talent's too good around him. The coaching staff is too good. I mean, you bring in Vic Fangio. Like, this is a win-now roster now. And I, you just can't – you can't really do what you did where Skylar Thompson's playing an important game for you down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Again, you cannot go down that road with this kind of talent. You already invested in Tyreek Hill. Like, you just can't do it, I don't think, unfortunately. Um, 
The Lions, was it a success in 2022? Would you, and should Lions fans view the 2022 season as a success, Tash? Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think the expectation coming in was six or seven wins, you know, trying to double basically the amount of wins that they had the previous season. And their preseason win total was set at six and a half. They end up going out and and winning the nine games and, and just missing out on the playoffs. So I, I think anytime you can go that far over your preseason win total, it's successful. But the main thing from the Lions perspective is just finding out which players on your team are going to be long-term players at their position and players that aren't going to be that. And like having, having play and, and the coaching that they got, they were able to get better answers about Jeff Okuda is probably not going to be a long-term option at cornerback for this team, especially not or they're mm-hmm. cornerback one or cornerback two. But then there's players like Jerry Jacobs in the secondary or uh, Kirby Joseph who you can feel better about going forward. So they were able to learn a lot about the players on their roster this year, which I think is another reason why it made it a successful season for them. Evan, what was your like brightest spot about this Lions season? What, what, did make, what made you feel like, hey, the Lions could be a playoff team and someone that the, the 49ers might host a playoff game against next year? Well, I mean, other than kind of coming in, looking at the 49ers and going, we got this. We will make sure that their playoff hopes end today. And like taking, you know, taking that like torch and getting it past – that was my favorite part, of course. I don't know. The The Lions are going to be probably the best feel-good story. I wish that they would go on Hard Knocks. Uh, didn't, you know, I don't, didn't they recently do it? They were just on it this past year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, I want them to go again. I know they mm. can, but, like, <laughs> I just think that would be great just because I love Campbell. I mean, everything that he's doing is just great. Um, but, no, I mean, Aaron, listen, Aaron Rodgers is most likely leaving uh, the Packers. Uh, the division is theirs for the taking. It's, it's they've got a running game now for the first time in their you know thirty year thirty five years. I've been an adult, I think, since Barry Sanders. Um, there's 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 a very bright future ahead of them. So I think you know starting that future off with taking the Packers and knocking them out of the potential of getting into the playoffs is. I mean, what? That's that's the best way to start, <laughs> really. If you're a Lions fan, what else would you ask for? Tej, are they the favorites if Aaron Rodgers retires or moves to an AFC team? Like, is it fair to put the put that on Dan Campbell's bunch next year that the Lions are the favorites to host a playoff game at Ford Field in 2024? <laughs> you just gave me the chills saying those words. I, you know, I haven't even thought about what I would do if the Lions were hosting a home playoff game. But the interesting thing is, like the betting market, like FanDuel or DraftKings right now, has the Lions as an implied thirty-seven percent chance to win the division, even with Aaron Rodgers possibly coming back baked in. The hmm. Packers and the Vikings are at twenty-five percent each, and the Bears have the the remaining slice there. So I think if Aaron Rodgers comes back, the Packers jump up a little, and they're probably neck and neck with the Lions because I still think Rodgers has the ability to make some pretty big-time throws even if his overall play isn't as good as it used to be. But I do think that when you look at just like the Lions roster as a whole and like what offensive play caller Ben Johnson can add uh, additionally above like the, what the roster provides, like they, they probably should be the favorites in the division right now. If, if Rodgers comes back, 
I like the Packers over the Lions like by a little bit, but that also just might be my uh, my my pessimism about the team or, or just you know in, in general about uh, kind of like how the franchise has done the, uh, since I've been alive, basically. That's fair. I think an underrated part of this group is like, yeah, you lose Deuce Daly to Frank Reich's staff in Carolina, but Johnson doesn't leave. Aaron Glenn doesn't leave. A lot of the bread and bones of this group is back next year. How important was it that Johnson and Glenn are both back for the Lions going into next year and that continuity? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that was huge. I think Ben Johnson was one of the top three play callers in the league last year behind Kyle Shanahan, obviously, and, and Andy Reid. I, uh, ben Johnson called a phenomenal offense uh, that used play action a lot, which benefited Jared Goff, got Amon Ross St. Brown the ball, given that he was clearly the best uh, option for the Lions. And then the run game was the most diverse run game in the league. They ran outside zone, inside zone, power, all the man blocking concepts as well. So Ben Johnson was was huge returning, and I think it kind of shows the Lions' culture as well, where he look, looked around, saw the head coaching openings, and decided he wanted to return, which is really nice. On the defensive side of things, Aaron Glenn is probably kind of lost in the shuffle amongst defensive coordinators because he just doesn't have much talent to work with. And he tried a lot of innovative things on defense. Last year, the Lions were one of the first teams to do the one-double defense on Justin Jefferson. And while it worked and it, it limited Jefferson in the first Lions-Vikings game, every other Vikings receiver had like a great day because of it. So he did a different plan in the second Vikings game, and you know, it kind of like uh, made sure that Lions didn't bleed out there. But like Glenn just like he tries to to do a lot of innovative things. Some of them don't work on defense, which is okay, I think, when you're leaning into the variance of having this defense that doesn't have many NFL starter caliber players. But I think where him and Aubrey Pleasant, who ended up getting fired midseason, had a little bit of some butting the heads where they didn't agree with the coverages they were playing. And when, when Pleasant got fired... Uh, Glenn's defense has started to play better. So I think that there should be some cautious optimism on that side of the ball, but they still just need to get better secondary pieces, better linebacker play to be sure about that. Interesting. Um, going to the draft, if you had to guess where Brad Holmes is going to look, where what holes do you think he's going to focus on plugging up? What What's the target, if you had to guess what he does? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's going to approach uh, the the kind of off season by trying to plug the linebacker hole in free mm. agency, and then plugging all the holes <clears throat> in the secondary in the draft. I think the cornerbacks that are going to be available around pick six, if lines stay there, maybe trade back a couple spots between Devin Witherspoon, Joey Porter, Christian Gonzalez, whoever Holmes evaluates as the best corner of those three is is going to be the Lions pick uh, at, at number six. Most likely they, they could take a quarterback, but I don't see them, them necessarily doing that. And then they're going to also try to fill in the defensive line um, throughout the rest of the draft by taking maybe an edge rusher or a defensive tackle uh, with the pick 18 that they have, that's their own pick, or even the two second round picks will, will be defense. But there are a couple things to clean up on the offense they do need to take a tight end at some point in the draft because they traded TJ Hawkinson and they have a slight hole there that they could fill alongside Brock Wright, who's already on the roster. And then right guard is another area 
Um, you know, offensive line is usually seen as a weak link system where mm-hmm. the defense can pick and choose where they want to target uh, on the offensive line. The Lions really only have one weak link right now, which is the right guard position. So I think that they could take a shot there and try to fill up that hole eventually on, on like day two or something. Hmm. Well, you know, Gerard Davis and I think uh, Jalen Smith are both free agents. So you can plug up the linebacker situation just by <laughs> signing those two guys. Just plug them right back in. There you go. You'll be fine. <laughs> Well, it could be worse. I don't, I'm also just like the Falcons right now. Like Evans over here with just his linebacker. You every defensive position is fine. Like <laughs> Evan doesn't worry about the defense. It doesn't matter who the defensive coordinator is anymore. And I'm over here like, I don't know. Casey Hayward scares me. Like, did they bring back Isaiah Oliver? Mm-hmm. Like, are we sure Troy Anderson's ready for a bigger role? Do they bring back Rashad Evans? And it's just it's a different world for Evan. You and I were. We were born in the darkness of Detroit and Atlanta Falcons <laughs> and Lions football. Uh, so we're just like, hey, any baby steps to building a great defense and having depth all across the board. Evan, Do you Evan even doesn't... know who Chilo Rochelle is? No. One of the worst defensive linemen ever drafted in the NFL in the first round ever. Like the Niners, listen, the Niners <laughs> are having their heyday right now and things are good. But I went through like a decade of hell. I'm a 35-year-old <laughs> man who is who has grown up knowing that they won five Super Bowls and I've only seen them lose two. Like <laughs> let's 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 just let's pump the brakes, okay? Things are good right now. That can always, as anyone knows, if you're a 49ers ha- uh, fan, change real soon. Shout out to Jim Harbaugh. That's <laughs> that's true. Um last thing on the Lions Tesh. The best stretch of games last year like as a fan what was the favorite stretch for you and then also like what do you think was the most important where you're like oh this is no longer just like this is kind of fun and cute but not real and you're like oh they're actually really actually a competent good football team what was that stretch for you where it it flipped Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's a great question. You know, they they did start one and six. I was pretty <laughs> pessimistic about the team. Um, got got that Green Bay win, where it was like an ugly game where they picked off Aaron Rodgers three times. But the best stretch for me was starting from Thanksgiving until um, about like winter break. Uh, for 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 all the college students out there, they went toe to toe with <clears throat> Buffalo and and lost by three points at the end there, which was like really exciting. Blew out Jacksonville, uh, and then beat the Vikings the next week on the pass to Penny Sewell, which was one of the coolest ways I've ever seen the Lions win a game. And then they won against the Jets in New York um, in, in a, like another ugly game um, where they scored a 51-yard touchdown with a minute to go to end up winning that game. Where so that was like just like an awesome four-game stretch, like a great month of football where it was so exciting to be a Lions fan. And that's where like the you would see their playoff probability go from like 0.1% to 0.3% to 1% to like 2% like each week just incrementally increasing uh, where it ended up leading down to the the final season or the final week of the season there but it, yeah it was a really exciting time to be a Lions fan I think you know again like fans should be cautiously optimistic headed into next year because of the success we saw at the end of the year but there are still holes like we mentioned on this roster that they do need to clean up uh, going into next season but they have the space to do it. Chase, I do want to ask you though, like yeah. Falcons are really interesting to me. Like second second most cap space. I think they have like seventy million dollars. Like mm-hmm. we we just talked about all the things that the Lions might do in free agency. Like, what do you think the Falcons are gonna do with all that that money to spend? Uh well, I think it starts with Lamar Jackson. 
I think that's real. Mm -hmm. I think they're really going to see mm -hmm. if... Because it's just getting weirder and weirder in Baltimore with him. They yeah. did it with Deshaun Watson last year. It's the reason Matt Ryan is no longer the Atlanta Falcons quarterback. Is like he was like, "Oh, you're you're done. You're you're moving on." And this is it was not a good look all across the board. They don't end up getting him. They draft Desmond Ritter in the third. Desmond looked okay the last four weeks. Like he was fine. He got better week over week. He's like an Alex Smith best case scenario. I think is probably what he looks like um, in this league. Which like a Marcus Mariota. Yeah, he's fine. I just, if Lamar is the guy, if they are able to give up, like they sign and trade Lamar to the Falcons, that's obviously going to be a bunch of guaranteed team money. That's going to heat up a bunch of the cap, and that means they're really going for it. Or Lamar is not realistic, and then they pour a bunch of money into, well, we'll see. I think they're going to tag Caleb McGarry at right tackle is probably mm -hmm. my guess there, and that's going to eat up some of that cap space. They have to sign at least one wideout because eliminates Zacchaeus is on is a free agent. Hodge is a free agent. I think they go like Alan Lazard is who I want. Like the big receivers that Arthur Smith likes, another red zone guy, Drake London, Alan Lazard, Kyle Pitts in the red zone. I I like that idea. They're not going to go running back. Most of the offensive lines okay outside of that. They've drafted well. Um, Jake Matthews is just going to be the left tackle for 37 years. I just don't think that's uh, an issue. And then maybe they go like the Yannick and Gawkways, the Jadavian Clownies, the defensive line. I think they'll swing on a vet pass rusher to some degree, probably bring back Rashawn Evans, probably mm. bring back Isaiah Oliver. That's eating up some more cap space. But I think, well, it's so hard to forecast because like if Lamar is the guy yeah. and they trade for him, that's just going to eat up a bunch of it. And nothing would surprise me with this Falcons team because I think they're trying to do, they're basically trying to do two different things, right? They're like, we're comfortable building slow. Like Arthur, you're, we're giving you time if you want to continue building this way. But also each off season, we're going to dip our toes because attendance is not great. And we don't like living in a world without a star quarterback. So yeah, we're just going to also do that if that's an actual possibility. So it's, I don't know what to expect from the Falcons. Falcons could be the favorites in the NFC South and maybe an NFC contender next year or they could be like the six and 11 team that spends a lot of money on guys that don't pan out i i don't know it's, mm -hmm. it's hard to forecast right now yeah no i agree with you i think it's so interesting to see what they're gonna do like if they're they're a true wild card no one really yes. knows um i think arthur smith is a heck of a play caller right we saw him scheme up a tremendous passing game in tennessee with ryan Tannehill, mm -hmm. uh boosting him up like every efficiency stat the last year, the run game was really well designed, uh, despite the defense basically knowing they, they were going to run on like 60% mm -hmm. of their plays. <laughs> so I, putting Lamar Jackson in that offense with Tyler Algier, who I think is one of the more underrated running backs in the league, mm -hmm. you already know you have a guy in Drake London, uh, and, and Arthur Smith calling plays could be so cool. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll have to see, like, I, 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 yeah, I'm with you. Like, I think it really could be anything. It's like spinning a, a roulette wheel right now to, to kind of see where the ball is going to land. For sure. Um, well, there you go. Evan, anything new with the Niners this week? Anything you want to plug with the, the Niners? Did they do anything <laughs> over the last week? Uh, Brock Purdy finally is getting surgery Friday. So we figure out whether or not he's going to start. Uh, or be ready by the beginning of the season or if he's going to be essentially out for the year, which is then in turn going to figure out and decide what they do at the quarterback position. Um, mm. uh, what's his name? Peter King today said that he still thinks that they 
they they try and steal Purdy or excuse me Brady uh, out of retirement. Not Phil Rivers. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> Philip Rivers needs to stay home and take care of his kids. <laughs> stay home, go home and be like just like Guile says from Street Fighter. Go home and be a family man. <laughs> no, I I the 49ers are like I th- and once again cuz they're just like I f- they're like keeping up with the Kardashian levels of NFL drama. Like there's going to be another off season of like what the hell are the 49ers doing? I mean, the quarterback position is hilarious to me. Uh they're going to be big players in free agency. We're about to have next year free first round picks back. That's neat. So I don't know. There you go. I like it. Um, well, that's all I've got, Tej and Evan. Uh, what do you want to plug as we wrap up here this evening, Tej? Yeah, no, I mean, again, thanks for having me on. I think it's so much fun to do this with you guys. I, I know I'm always so impressed, Chase, that you do a show like basically every day of the week. Like that's that's a lot of commitment and, and like being able to cover so many sports, I think is so cool. But yeah, for anyone listening that wants to kind of see uh, what I'm doing, you can follow me on Twitter at T-E-J-F-B Analytics, uh, T-E-J-F-B Analytics. Um, and then also my I have some writing up on sumersports.com. Uh, the website got launched recently. I'll be doing like a weekly article there and, and sometimes filling in on the Sumer Sports show as well. So be sure to check out anything Sumer Sports related between this Twitter account, the website, or the, the podcast. There you go. Evan, what about you? You want to plug anything? Wrap yeah, the, the Chase Thomas podcast. Mm. And then, of course, Sumer Sports, not summer, <laughs> uh, com. There you go. And tell my friend Thomas Dimitrov hi when you next talk to him. We miss him down here sometimes. Best, best <laughs> roster in football less than five years ago. Mm-hmm. Tej, Evan, thank you as always. Evan, I'll talk to you next week. Tej, we'll have you back on again soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.